Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking about relational type theory in this chapter 11 of the podcast. And this is a new theory I'm working on right now. Um, I've been working on this draft paper over Christmas break and looking pretty good. Just about ready to submit it. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about something I've very interesting that came up in trying to work this out. And again, what is this relational type theory? Well, as you remember, it's basically a type theory that's designed to let you prove relational typings in the binary relational semantics for types. And so we have the types of system F plus a few relational operators, which is pretty crazy. Um, but the part I want to talk about today doesn't have anything to do with that, really. It's uh, um, There's this, as we talked about in some earlier episode, probably the one about types, abstraction, and parametric polymorphism. Oh yeah, that was that was a great one for me personally to, to do because I actually discovered something on air, which was cool. I, I don't know how you kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, usually I think the thing I'm, things I'm talking about with are pretty fresh to me, so it's not surprising that I would come up, something would click for me while I'm trying to talk with you about it, but there it was. Anyways, um, so there's, in that paper, there's this thing called the identity extension lemma. And it basically says that if the interpretation of a type, the binary relational interpretation of a type, is just the identity relation um, if the type is closed. If it's open, it's going to be the identity relation as long as you interpret all the free type variables as the identity relation. And when I first saw this theorem, I told you I was kind of, this is, this is stupid. Like, why, why are we having this complicated definition of the identity relation? Like, what, what's the heck? And as I, told, as I figured out, understood on air finally, and I, I have to say, I'm not sure how many people really have caught on to this particular angle on it. It's actually really important because it's showing you that the, in John Reynolds, in this, this semantics, there's two parts of the semantics. There's an object part that interprets programs as mathematical objects. And then there's this relational part that interprets, well, effectively also interprets programs, but um, it's show, it's, uh, yeah, it does interpret programs um, as showing that the object interpretations are related to themselves uh, and under, this, under a binary relational semantics. So, and the, the cool thing about identity extension is it shows you that your object semantics, which sort of seems like second fiddle to the relational semantics, but it shows you that your object semantics has actually managed to map down all, the entire relational equivalence classes to canonical elements, right? So it says if two, I've got this meaning for my, a relational meaning for my types. And effectively it's like, you know, um, like a relational meaning of nat to nat, the nat to nat type, right, is if you give equal nats, then the two functions give equal outputs. They give outputs that are equal as nats. There's no base notion of equality here, or so it would seem. That's kind of what I want to talk about today. It sort of seems like all the equality you have is always just kind of like things are equal if you use them this way and make these observations of them. There's not sort of a just, you know, by golly, it's they're really truly equal. Um, and so this sort of, the, the identity extension of it says that um, your object semantics that's trying to say what mathematical object this program, you know, denotes, that object semantics manages to map 
equivalent programs, programs that are equivalent under the relational semantics, and maps them to the exact same mathematical object, which is amazing. I mean, that's really incredible, but also a really strong property. <laughs> As I said, it implies that the mean, relational meanings of all your types are just the identity relation. And in relational type theory, um, as you know, impressed as we are by this result, we meaning me, I guess, uh, I, you know, as impressive as that result is, it's not, we actually don't want that because when we're doing reasoning, as I mentioned before, a reasoning about um, program equivalences, we sometimes need to use asymmetric relations. Um, we, not all the relations we prove are going to be um, just the identity relation. Like sometimes we, we need to prove, we need to make use of asymmetric relations even on the way to proving um, identities. And so, uh, so if you don't have the identity extension lemma, you know, a bunch of powerful results followed from this identity extension lemma. For example, um, transitivity of the relations that you're interpreting types as. Those relations are all transitive because, hey, guess what? <laughs> they're all just the identity relations. So, of course, they're transitive. They're symmetric and transitive. Um, for that matter, let's see. Oh, yeah, no, these, sorry, they're, they're, uh, all right, identity extension just gives you that there's, they're, uh, no, hang on now. I think it's supposed to give you that they're partial identity relations. No? It's really giving you their identity relations. Yeah. So, they're even reflexive. Um, on the typed, but that's a typed object interpretation. That's what kind of saves this. They're reflexive on the typed, on sort of typed mathematical objects. Um, so, uh, but if you've decided, you know, if you're sort of committed to language features that won't let you have identity extension, like you want to have, you want to be able to denote with some type an asymmetric potentially, you know, not, not a transitive relation, uh, then what can, you know, what will you do? In particular, what will you do for things like transitivity? What kind of proof can you get for transitivity? Because if we're doing sort of equational reasoning about programs, like, oh, this program's equivalent to this one, this other one's equivalent to that one, you know, don't we want transitivity? Like A is equivalent to B, B is equivalent to C. Don't you want A equivalent to C? Um, Yes, if it's one of those relations that's that's transitive, but not if it's not if it's one of the ones that isn't. So, can you say anything in general in relational type theory about which relations are going to be transitive and symmetric and stuff like that? Um, and I'm happy to tell you that yes, you can. And it's actually pretty cool. Um, uh, and I, this was a result I got in the fall that was actually really encouraging. That there's something pretty interesting happening here. And so, to try to briefly summarize. In relational type theory, we have um, we don't have identity extension, but we have a different or sort of related lemma that could be viewed as a decomposition of that that I call identity inclusion. And what it says is it identifies a certain family of types as being contained in the identity relation in the one direction. That's one identity inclusion. Like the meaning of a type is contained in the identity. You know, that, that means anything that the type says is equal are actually beta, eta equal program terms, you know? Um, I mean, the, the types are expressing, expressing some notion of program equivalence. And this part of identity inclusion says for, this, for, for types of this particular family of types, which I haven't said what it is yet, uh, then if the type says two terms are equal, then they're actually beta, eta equal. Okay, 
So in other words, the type is just pick is the um, the meaning of the type is carving out a um, a refinement of beta eta equivalence. Uh, did I say that right, man? I always get confused about that. I mean, it's if they're if they're you know related by the meaning of the type, then they're beta eta equivalent, but not necessarily the other way. Although identity inclusion lemma says gives a different class of types where the sort of reverse inclusion holds. If things are beta eta equal, then they're related. Okay. I mean, you could also view this kind of just as a reflexivity, like certain certain types. Uh, T is always related to T uh, by for any any term T whatsoever. I mean, we, this is extended to. I mean, identity here is beta eta equality. So, um, and so the classes of types involved have to do about the positions. It's a syntactically defined classes of types that have to do with the positions of universal quantifiers in the type. And if all your universal quantifiers occur in positive positions, meaning um, to the left of an even number of arrow types, in the left part of an even number of arrow types. If your types are positive, then you have this identity inclusion the one way that says the meaning of the type is contained in the identity. And if your all your for all quantifiers occur in only in negative positions, then you have the opposite inclusion that identity is included in the meaning of your type. And the proof of this result is you have to prove those two parts simultaneously and you get, there's a kind of a beautiful duality that kind of shows up in this proof. And once you have that identity inclusion, then you can get things like transitivity for positive types because you just say, oh, A is related to B, B is related to C by a positive, the meaning of a positive type, uh, for all positive, I should say, for all positive type. Then you say, oh, well, if A is related to B by a for all positive type, then identity inclusion tells us A is beta, eta equal to E, to B, and um, part of the semantics basically it easily showed that the, the Hispanics respects beta eta equality. So if you have A beta eta equal to B and B related to C, then you know A is related to C. Um, so transitivity, as I have it right now, requires identity inclusion. And what's sort of what's I've wasted a lot of brain power thinking about is kind of I kind of don't like identity. <laughs> <laughs> on philosophical grounds, like what does it mean for things to be equal? I kind of don't, I would kind of prefer a theory that doesn't have a sort of baseline, like these things are equal to each other, full stop, no debates. I'd rather have it be a little more open and flexible where the notion of equality that you're talking about is really determined by the type. And there's nothing that kind of the buck stops here. These things are just really equal. You can't wiggle around it. Um, but basically what I'm here to tell you is I've discovered, at least it seems, that there is, I can't get my, the theory to work out correctly without including some, you know, baseline, hardcore, these guys really are equal um, relation because you need that for even expressing identity inclusion and you need that for transitivity. And I've spent hours and hours trying to get those results, avoiding an explicit identity relation and I cannot. So I don't have a proof that it can't be done, but I kind of conjecture that it can't be done. Um, which sort of tells you that despite the sort of very flexible relational view, there is a sort of buck stops here. And at the identity extension of Reynolds, when you first see this lemma, you're kind of, 
why the heck are we talking about when um, base types are interpreted as the identity relation? It seems really artificial. It's kind of like, why am I interpreting them as identity? Don't I want to say, well, if I interpret them in such and such a more general, generic way? And Nope. The lemma says, you know, if you interpret type variables as identity, then the meaning of the type is the identity. And that seemed very, I never liked that. I thought that seemed very hardwired. And I'm here to say, <laughs> if you could find a way around it, I'd love to know because um, I, I ran into the, the need for that in this, what I thought, what hoped was going to be, well, actually, I hadn't even formulated that I'd like this to be flexible in that way. Um, but I guess I'm basically willing to live with that, um, with having this identity type. It means when you go to formalize, I mean, we go to describe the relational type theory as a typed system instead of just as a semantics for types, then you're going to have to deal with having an identity type. That's the real, like, the, the theory basically says, oh, these guys are really equal. <laughs> as opposed to just saying, well, it's equal if this is what you view as equality as being. And so I kind of, again, a little disappointing. I'd love to work around that. Because it, it, it does make the type system more complicated because now you have to deal with sort of equational reasoning, like essentially some form of substitution, which is kind of annoying to describe, um, kind of technical and involved to describe, but uh, so be it. Anyway, uh, so identity extension gets refined to an identity inclusion lemma in relational type theory, and using that you can prove transitivity for certain kinds of types, types where all the quantifiers only occur positively. Um, that's not the only kind of types that are transitive. You can actually easily find other examples, but that lemma um, applies for those types. Okay, thanks again for listening. Hope you're well wherever you are.